Welcome to the third episode of the Model 284 podcast. My name is Sam Walzak, and I'm joined by Mark Richards, and we are sponsored by Wallace Carlson Printing. Today is Wednesday, March 21st, and on today's show, we'll give a quick recap of the first weekend of Madness, break down all the Sweet 16 matchups, and give you our updated predictions for the rest of the tournament through the Final Four and Championship. If you've enjoyed our first few episodes, or if you have Nevada in your Sweet 16, please subscribe, rate, and review to our podcast on iTunes. With that, let's get started. Alrighty, Sam. Wild first we- first weekend, eh? In the books. Um, pretty crazy weekend. I mean, it seems that people say this every year, but with a 16 seed beating a 1 and 1s and 2s and 3s losing left and right, probably one of the craziest opening weekends we've ever seen. Yeah, we've got two 11 seeds, two 1 seeds. I mean, it, it, two 11 seeds and two 1 seeds in the Sweet 16, and that's, I mean, it, it was a crazy first weekend, and it was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, and I think... Um, you know, all year there's been top five and top ten teams in college basketball that lose every single week, and it's been kind of a revolving door at the top of the rankings. And going into the tournament all year, people had been talking about how, you know, the very top of college basketball wasn't as strong this year, and there should be a lot of parity in the tournament, which definitely played out. Um, but at least me personally, I kind of lost sight of that when the bracket got released and he started going through all the numbers. And, you know, at the end of the day, you should just pick the team with the better win probability. But, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of had forgotten how, how lopsided or how topsy-turvy it had been this year. And we for sure saw that over the weekend. Yeah, definitely. I think even in, like, some of the predictions we had where we had, you know, Kentucky over Davidson, it was, like, 60-something percent, and Arizona and Buffalo was, you know, upper 60s. But, you know, if you play 100 games, like, the probability is saying they're, you know, like, gonna win. only going to yeah. win, you know, maybe 70 or 60 of those games. So when you play in the single elimination tournaments, it, it gets exciting. And I think a lot more of those those matchups were closer this year, and I think we did see that in a lot of the win probability models. Yep, and – you know, every year you go in and hoping your model or your bracket or whatever you use is going to be perfect, but inevitably there's always going to be some some bright spots and some some uh, just black holes. But well, the model is perfect. <laughs> no, the model the model did have some some nicks. So um, North Carolina was a big one. So we had them as the favorites come come out of that region go to the final four also the favorite to come out of the left side of the bracket and go to the championship and they just got absolutely rolled by texas a&m i don't know exactly what they finished but at one point they were two of 22 from three in that game and kind of a not not a typical carolina team where they had kind of playing a little small this year and they got just worked inside by a couple big guys from texas a&m and robert williams and tyler davis and so you know they're they're out. Um, that one did not look good for the model. Um, Rhode Island, another one that did not look great. Um, I will say, you know, we did have Duke winning. We just thought it would be a much closer game, and Rhode Island would be a a very contrarian pick in the bracket. So that's why we went with them. But you know, certainly we did not anticipate Duke rolling the way that they did in that game. 
Um, and then Virginia, we had them in the final four in our bracket, but um, we did say that that region was kind of a toss-up and a number of teams that we could see come out of, coming out to make it to the final four, and our numbers were certainly not high on Virginia relative to a lot of the other predictions and Vegas odds and things like that. So, um, you know, that one may be a little bit more of middling than a straight miss. I will say, I mean, didn't we have Virginia at like 93%, whereas like ESPN was like 99% for them to win? So, I don't know. That might be a we'll call it a, We'll call it a win. <laughs> Only 93%. Um, but some bright spots as well. So, Marshall... We had them 54% to beat Wichita State, which was probably one of the the more contrarian picks. Definitely. I mean, Wichita State was, what was it, a 13-point favorite. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, we saw it definitely as a much closer game. And, I mean, clearly, again, it's a one single-elimination single game, so it's it's tough to value. But it was clearly we hit on that, which, which was a good feeling. Yeah. Another couple good spots for the model – Villanova and West Virginia both rolled in both of their games, and the model, you know, really likes them overall, but had them rolling in both of their games, and we saw that play out, which is good to see. Purdue rolled their first game, and, you know, they won in kind of a battle in the second round, but they're without Isaac Haas, and we'll see what happens with him moving forward and how they adapt to playing without him, Um, or maybe he just throws bionic arm on there and toughs it out we'll see but you know they are in the sweet 16 at the end of the day so um, looking good in the east region Um, but yeah so some some good spots some bad spots and we march forward yeah i think overall i mean what we got nine of 16 sweets nine of the 16 sweet 16 teams um so you know it was i think it was overall a, a pretty good weekend for the model all things considered um, but you know, we just went over a little bit of the model performance, but if you're involved in our March madness pool right now, Jack Werner analyst at model 284 actually just put together in his my model Monday, uh, are you beating the model where we see the model currently sitting seventh out of 82 teams with three of the six teams ahead of us without their champion, Jack recaps the crazy first weekend in the performances and trends of people's brackets that they've entered into our pool he also takes a look at how many teams people have remaining and where you sit relative to the model so you can kind of go check that out compare how your bracket looks and jack kind of does some fun analysis of some of the different some of the different picks that people had and some of the big upsets i think someone did in our pool have um umbc uh, yeah, my, my cousin Anna, I know, she she picked them. She was bragging about it on Friday night. Um, she's she's a, you know, just a diehard college basketball fan. Just studied that UMBC tape for probably 300 hours and just really dissected that one to predict it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I must we must have missed something in our 100 hours a week of working on that <laughs> film. But, yeah. Anyway, um, with that, getting a little bit more into the model performance um, we're going to kind of run through some of the win probability spread in total overall performance in the first round. Sam, you want to kind of give the listeners yeah. how we did? Yep. So we've got all these numbers on our site if you want to go, you know, read them, read them for yourself. But so in the first round, um, again, we've got a number of models and won't go into the details on all of them right now, but you can go on the site and read about them. 
Um, so our win probability models in round one they're 26 and six. In round two they're nine and seven. So overall so far they're 35 and 13 or 73 percent. Um, so pretty pretty solid, not perfect. Really good in the first round. Um, our 284 spread. 17 and 14 in the first round, so 55%. 6 and 10 in the second round, so it took a little bit of a dip there, bringing us to 23 and 24 overall. Um, still at a pretty small sample, um, but would have liked to see that one perform a little better. Um, I think for all these, you know, <laughs> grading on a sample of, of 48 games is not necessarily going to be the best criteria for analyzing how good or bad a model is and especially with how crazy the tournament is and all these games come down to the wire but you know that's what we've got to work with um and then the cover probability model a little bit better 16 and 15 in the first round 10 and 6 in the second second round 26 and 21 overall 55 percent um mark you want to recap how the total models have been doing yeah so the total models in the first round, we're 18 and 14, 56%. Uh, 63% in round two going 10 and 6. And then overall, total model was 28 and 20 for 58%. Uh, the over probability model was, you know, closely in line as those models are, are going to, in general, predict fairly closely together. And that was, that ran at 54%. So, you know, 58% on the total predictions not as great as we've seen historically or in live performance in last year's tournament, but still nearly 60% on a small sample, which Sam alluded to is not necessarily going to get to a convergence on our overall historical performance, but still not, not, not terrible in the first two rounds. Yep. So hopefully we uh, keep ticking those up as the tournament plays on, but now we're going to dive into the sweet 16 matchups um, obviously, we've got, got eight games to break down, and we're going to go into what our models are predicting for all of them. So let's kick it off, go to the, the south region, the, uh, I guess the, the most, I guess the highest average seed remaining of the, of the regions. We've got Kentucky, Kansas State, Nevada, and Loyola, Illinois. Yeah, so in the first matchup here, we have Kentucky versus Kansas State both with easy second-round matchups, one would say. But what are we looking at here, Sam? Yeah, so we give Kentucky a 67% chance of winning this one. So, you know, relatively close game, not not a gimme for Kentucky. Um, Kentucky is 5.5-point favorites in Vegas right now, but we actually make them only a 2-point favorite, and we give Kansas State an 80% chance of covering that one. So definitely would side with with Kansas State from a spread perspective, but I guess we still like Kentucky to win in a close game. Um, one thing to watch here, so Kansas State's best player, Dean Wade, he's a 6'10 junior forward. He actually didn't play in either of their tournament games this past weekend, and, you know, again, they didn't play the greatest competition, but pretty impressive for them to win without him. He is... Averaging 16, 6, and 3. He leads their team in box plus minus and win shares. Shoots 44% from 3. Um, and it looks like he, he says he's optimistic that he's going to play this week. Um, I would definitely keep an eye on that um, as we get closer to that game tipping off. But I um, guess we'll see what impact he has. Yeah, definitely. Um, so both obviously really good defensive teams here. 
Um, I think, you know, in general, we're seeing it as a closer matchup. The total, actually, that we, we see Vegas kind of being right on this. So, you know, not – it's it, the Vegas total is 138.5. We have about one, 141.6. So it shouldn't be overly high scoring with both being strong defensive teams. Um, what's, you know, obviously Kentucky's loaded with talent. They don't have the Towns, Davis, and Cousins type player, but – they definitely still have a lot of NBA level talent, and Calipari's, you know, historically done a good job of bringing these type of players together, and especially in tournament time. Yeah, for sure. You know, Kentucky always feels like a, a scary team to bet against in the tournament. Um, another, so as we said, we've got Kentucky as a small favorite. Some of the things that our models like about them. Um, they, they have a better free throw rate. They have some rebounding advantages over Kansas State. Um, they had a high preseason rank, and we actually, you know, looking at the whole Sweet 16 field, 11 of the 16 teams in the Sweet 16 were in the preseason AP Top 25. Um, so we see that, again, being somewhat predictive of tournament success, and Kentucky has the edge there. Um, and they have played the better, better strength of schedule. One interesting thing we saw... You know, Kentucky 0 of 6 in the first round from 3, and then 7 of 15 in the second round. So um, not, not exactly a consistent 3-point shooting team, but we have seen them have a little bit more success lately. Um, Kansas State, um, they have a, they're taking better care of the ball than, than Kentucky does. They have, you know, solid offensive and defensive efficiency. They've played in a lot of close games. And I guess, you know, indicative of our prediction, but... Kentucky isn't really blowing Kansas State out of the water in a lot of the stats that are considered by our models, and you know, we've highlighted some of the spots where Kentucky has a slight edge. Um, anything else you've got for this one, Mark? No, I think that covers it pretty solidly. So the next matchup in this round, we have Nevada versus Loyola, Chicago. And here's our here's our team right here. Nevada, how are they looking in this matchup? The Wolfpack, I mean, do you even need to ask? <laughs> No, blind faith in the model on Nevada. Yeah, we've got them 78% chance of winning. We have them as six-point favorites and a 79% chance of covering. They're only one-and-a-half or one-point favorites in Vegas, depending on where you look. So, you know, we're all over Nevada once again. Yeah, and in the total in this game, which, as previously alluded to, Nevada had hit the total in both the previous games. Hit the over. Or, sorry, hit the over on that. The Vegas total here is 143.5. We have it nearly nine points above or um, at 152 in a nearly 90% probability of covering that. So, again, expect a lot of points coming from Nevada and Loyola, despite Loyola being regarded as a somewhat strong defensive unit. Yeah, and this is something we've seen, I mean, even just in the last two games, um, Nevada playing against, they, their offense isn't phased by playing against good defenses. They've been efficient all year playing against strong competition on offense, and their their offensive success and low turnover rate are really what's driving our model's love for them. Yeah, and they've done this, yeah, despite the poor rebounding, well, they did face... You know, Mo Bamba on Texas, and then Kyle Washington on Cincy. And, or, and Cincy in general is a strong defensive team, but, you know, Nevada was able to score and generate points efficiently in both those games. And so, 
I think we're going to continue to see that come through against Loyola. Yeah, agreed. You know, Loyola, as you said, another good defensive team, but you know, you're going to say Nevada keeps on rolling. Yeah, definitely. And just to give you any more reason to love Nevada, if you haven't watched them yet, they've got the Martin Twins. And they're honestly just the greatest. Six foot seven, literally can do everything. Cody's their point guard, essentially. I mean, every player on their team is six seven, even though they only play six guys. Four are transfers too, which what is it? Stevens was on Purdue. I mean, imagine if he was on that team as yeah, well. Yeah. And so they can literally all of their starting five that's six seven, they're switchable on defense, all can shoot, handle the ball, pass, and rebound. And they're just so fun to watch. So you've got to ride Nevada. That's my selling point right there. Ride Nevada. Keep it rolling. So um, just bring it back to kind of the, this region as a whole. So we actually make Nevada the favorite to come out of this region um, for the final four. We give them a 46% chance. Uh, Kentucky only a 33% chance. We would make Nevada a small favorite over Kentucky and a larger favorite over Kansas State. Um you know, moving forward, we actually give Kentucky the highest probability of winning the title out of this region. So, you know, as you move forward and rounds, um, Kentucky slightly starts to edge out Nevada. I haven't quite figured out exactly why this is, but my guess is that um, when Nevada gets out of this region, they would face better offensive competition. So right now, a lot of their love from a model standpoint is coming from their just incredible offense. And then when they start facing, you know, Villanova or Purdue or Gonzaga and Michigan that have these more potent offenses than a Kentucky or a Kansas State or a Loyola, then they're they're not quite quite as heavy of a favorite. Yeah, I think we'll, as Nevada Wolfpack fans here, I think we'll just face that problem when we get to it. Yeah, one game at a time. Exactly. All right, now onto the West region here. We've got the four teams left are Gonzaga, Florida State, Michigan, and Texas A&M. In the first matchup, we've got Gonzaga versus Florida State, who Florida State's coming off a big late-game victory over Xavier. How are the Zags looking in this, Sam? The Zags are looking good, and now that Xavier and North Carolina are out of this region, the model is the model is back on the Gonzaga trains. We've got them as a, a 90% chance of beating Florida State, we make them eight-point favorites compared to only five-and-a-half in Vegas. So definitely liking Gonzaga here. Yeah, and the total on this is pretty high at 154. Our total slides in three points under at 151 with a, just a cover probability of going over a point four. So it's sliding with the under here. I think Vegas might be a little high on this, especially with the Zags putting up 90 and giving up 84 to Ohio State. The Zags definitely have a good offense, but I think this is a little high for a Vegas total. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, interestingly, you know, looking at, at these predictions, as I've mentioned before, uh, um, a lot of these win probability and spread predictions that we're making are made up from a compilation of different models and rolling up all the models' predictions into an average. Um, this game was one of the most consistently predicted games of of the tournament so far um basically all our all our spread models were coming in at right around gonzaga as a um seven eight nine point favorite you know averaging out to about eight points so um not too much variability in the predictions for this game for whatever that's worth um 
some of, some of the edges for Gonzaga here. Um, I mean, offensive, defensive efficiency, true shooting percentage, um, winning percentage are you know some of the most important things in our models, and we see Gonzaga having an edge here. Um, you know, I think pretty clear that Florida State, you know, might not belong belong quite this far in the tournament, and you know whether it's this round or next round, their their luck will probably catch up with them at some point here. Yeah, definitely a little tough to see them making it last any further, especially without kind of NBA-level talent, which I think really this Gonzaga team does have Hachimura and lefty Zach Norvell, who was absolutely dominant in the game against Ohio State. He had 28 points with 6 for 11 from 3, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. So you have the depth in the front court with Gonzaga, with three bigs that all can have different styles, then you also have that lead guard play that you like to see out of tournament teams. For sure, for sure. Next matchup, we have Michigan versus Texas A&M. As Texas A&M's coming off a big win over UNC. Yep, so we've got Michigan with an 80%, 87% chance of winning this one. We make them 5.5-point favorites. They're um, about 2.5-point favorites in Vegas right now. Um, so we we like Michigan to move on here. Yeah, totals not too far from Vegas here. Slight slight over lean, but Michigan's offense has been a little less than stellar in the tournament. The total the Vegas total is one thirty four, and we have it at about one thirty six. Yeah, Michigan. You know they kind of struggled in both of their games, and you know obviously took somewhat of a miracle to get them past Houston, but but here they are. Um, We'll see if they can straighten things out here moving forward. But um, some of the things that the models like about Michigan, um, they have a really low turnover percentage. They won their conference tournament as opposed to Texas A&M, who lost their first game. And, you know, I guess we've, we've seen that kind of turned on its head with Michigan not looking great in the early rounds and Texas A&M, you know, beating a great team in UNC. So... We'll see if that if that really has much of an impact here moving forward. Um, but um, Michigan also the better offensive efficiency and true shooting percentage. Um, they're really they're really besting Texas A and M in a lot of categories here. And as you mentioned, hopefully um, Maurice Wagner can temper some of those big men from Texas A and M to some degree, at least more so than UNC could. Yeah, definitely. It'll it'll be interesting because you know. Wagner's been less than stellar thus far in the tournament. Michigan's really going to need him to make a run here. In Texas A&M, um, Robert Williams is their big man. Who's, he's, he's got nearly a seven foot two wingspan, and he's currently slotted. I think Jonathan Giovanni uh, with ESPN now, formerly Draft Express, has him slotted at like 11, so late lottery pick, and he's been really good in the tournament. He actually had seven blocks in their SEC tournament game and has had a couple as well as a couple double doubles I believe to start the tournament or at least one um but anyway him and Tyler Davis while they're kind of a funky matchup I they'll be it they should be able to guard Wagner well yeah um another note here Texas A&M was actually number 25 in the preseason AP poll um Michigan wasn't ranked but you know something that probably overlooked in the first couple round games but they were they were a talented team and I think they've had some couple guys kicked off the team and some injuries as well but still found a way to the sweet 16 yeah I think you know this team does have a lot of raw talent still and that bodes well in general and having a lot of talent helps in winning single elimination games for sure but 
So moving forward, Sam, what are the rest beyond these games? How does the rest of this region look? Yep, so we make Gonzaga the favorite to come out of this region. We have them 51% chance to go to the Final Four, Michigan 40%, Texas A&M only 6%, and Florida State only 4%. So really it's it's Michigan or Gonzaga here. Um, if, if either of those teams were to be upset, we would favor um, either of them over whoever they face. Um, otherwise, we would make Gonzaga um, a slight favorite over Michigan, um, again, in a close game, and we see that coming out in the probabilities. Uh, but, yeah, like the Zags to move on to the Final Four now that that path has been cleared for them. Today's Model 284 podcast is brought to you by Wallace Carlson Printing. Wallace Carlson is a Minnesota-based printing company that has been in business for over 86 years and is built on delivering a remarkable client experience. Whether you need product catalogs, custom clothing, wedding or party invitations, marketing collateral, packaging, business cards, posters, or any other custom printing, you will not be disappointed by the team at Wallace Carlson who will execute your vision to the highest standards. For all your printing needs, check out wallacecarlson.com, email info at wc-printing.com or give them a call at 952-545-1645. Next up is the East Region. The teams remaining in this region include Villanova, West Virginia, Purdue, and Texas Tech. In the first mat- matchup, we have Villanova playing Huggy Bear in the West West Virginia Mountaineers. Yeah, I think this is probably at least my matchup I'm most looking forward to for, for the Sweet 16 should be a good one here. Um, Villanova, Jalen Brunson, one of the best point guards in the country, probably the player of the year against Javon Carter, one of the best defensive point guards in the country. So that should be a fun matchup to watch. Um, we've got Villanova with a 62% chance of winning this one. Um, we actually make them six-point favorites. They're only five-and-a-half in Vegas. Um, yeah, so, so we like Nova – in, in somewhat close game here. Um, some of our models favor them more heavily, and those are going to be models that are driven more by offensive stats since Nova is just really out of this world in a lot of those those statistical categories. Um, one thing that should be interesting to watch here, so Nova, one of the best teams in the country in terms of not turning the ball over, and West Virginia forces more turnovers than most other teams in the country. So um, Nova take, being able to take care of the ball is going to be an important thing to watch here. Um, Villanova is 65% against the spread this year, and they covered both the games in the tournament so far. Um, so, you know, they're definitely rolling here. Um, you know, both these teams are really good by our models. Um, probably top five to eight teams in the tournament field based on our rankings. Um, Nova is number one in Kempom right now, and West Virginia is number 11. Um, so just just a really strong matchup here, and we give a slight edge to Villanova. Yeah, and the total in this game, Vegas has it at 154. Our prediction is like 153 and basically a 50-50 of going over-under. So we think Vegas is right on the total. But a lot of points should be scored in this in this matchup. Um, definitely, though, we we see an interesting point in this game is I think both teams do have NBA-level talent. First, West Virginia has Javon Carter, who's just a steel machine. I think he had like five or six steals in his last game. And, and then on the Villanova side, you have Jalen Brunson, kind of a lead older guard that we've seen come out of Villanova before. But we do have Mikhail Bridges, 
who by our NBA draft model, which we call PNSP, he actually rated last year. He decided not to to come out, but he did rank as like a 10th-ish prospect in the draft, and he's even improved further this year. Yeah, definitely a big, big Mikhail Bridges fan, and he seems like he should slide right into the NBA. And Carter and Brunson both seem like guys that are just going to, you know, carve out a role and be be heavily involved in the NBA um, for for a long time to come um, I guess while we're while we mention our, our draft models do you want to give a kind of a, a quick overview of you know when you mentioned PNSP and him ranking 10th last year why don't you give give the people a, a quick overview on what they have to look forward to with our draft models once that heats up this summer yeah absolutely so we have a NBA draft model that we call PNSP. It's a peak. It stands for Peak NBA Stat Line Projection Model. So what we do with this model is we take college basketball statistics for individual players, as well as physical measurements, height, weight, max vertical jump, wingspan, and then we also take some scouting rankings information that includes you know the high school scouting ranking into account. And we take those stats and we create projections on various NBA um, kind of stat line projections, such as, you know, their ability to score points, shoot threes, rebound, etc. From there, we kind of transform the data and to give a single holistic value score on a player. And they range from 0 to 100, whereas 90 and above is seen as kind of like an elite prospect. And then, you know, 60 to 80 would be a pretty good pretty good prospect and kind of from there so it's kind of fairly normally distributed as 50 being the average prospect in our rankings but with that um, you'll see we'll have that kind of fully detailed out um, as the draft moves closer so essentially what you're doing there is just using a player's college stats to project how well they're they will fare in the NBA exactly so yeah, and we've seen this do fairly well and identify some players that went lower in the draft as we kind of historically look at it. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fan of Bridges last year. It was also Donovan Mitchell. It, it did like him as well as slightly above kind of where he went in the draft. So some in Jordan Bell thus far that we've seen success in the NBA. So some, some wins for that thus far. Um, but with that, let's kind of continue with the March Madness talk here. And move on to the next matchup in the East region, which is Purdue versus Texas Tech. Yeah, so we've got, you know, no surprise here. More love for Purdue. We give them an 85% chance of winning this one. We make them 6.5-point favorites. Um, only 1.5-point favorites in Vegas right now. Um, so we do like Purdue once again. Um, Purdue, you know, I, I, I like to think that they were somewhat of a dark horse pick when we picked them, but... They're actually ranked number fourth in Kempom right now. They're second in offense in Kempom. Um, they're shooting 43% from three this year. Um, obviously, the big thing here is how are they going to play without without Isaac Haas? And we saw them survive a close one against Butler in the the second round. Um, but you know, a, a, still some speculation about Haas trying to play and maybe playing with an elbow brace. Um, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I guess another positive is they have more time to prepare this week, whereas you know they had one day to prepare before the Butler game. So uh, maybe Matt Painter coming up with a little bit more of a game plan for this one. 
And also Matt Harms, you know, the, the backup who fills in in the Butler game, played really well. Um, one one thing to watch with him, I think Kenny Smith brought it up on the broadcast of the game, but you know he's only playing 17 minutes a game, and then he comes in and now he's playing 35. That's a, that's a big jump, and I think we did see him tire out a little bit in the second half, so hopefully he's, he's running like 600 miles over this week and he's going to be ready for the game. Yeah, he was... I think he's got good potential, as you as you saw, but we'll definitely see if if the he'll kind of regress a little bit in his play as he's as he's forced to play more minutes. Interestingly, in this game, we're Vegas is coming in at the total at one thirty seven point five. We lean the the over on this at one forty one with a sixty six percent chance of going over, and um, this is kind of driven a lot by the ability. Of Purdue, especially their offense, and they're they're shooting forty three percent ish from three. They've got four players that that can really shoot the ball in their starting lineup, and I think that they can really rack up the points. And they they do play a pretty efficient offense, which we we've kind of alluded to previously. So definitely think that that this game does lean the over if you are gonna go one way on it. Yeah, and I think as we mentioned they kind of survived slugfest against Butler but Carson Edwards was Edwards was 4 for 17 in that game. Vincent Edwards was in foul trouble basically the whole game. They had three just horrible turnovers down the stretch where they basically forgot to, how to play basketball and they they still managed to come out with a win. So, you know, hopefully hopefully that won't be the case in the next couple rounds. Yeah, I've got faith. So, I think moving forward in this region are we? It looks like, it sounds like from what we said thus far, Nova and West Virginia might beat up on each other a little bit. So is our Purdue prediction looking good here, Sam? Yeah, I'd, I'd feel better if, if it wasn't for the Haas injury. But, yeah, it's still like in Purdue. Um, we give them 51% chance to make it to the Final Four out of this region. Villanova, 31%. West Virginia, 13%. And Texas Tech, only 6%. Um, Nova does have the tougher Sweet 16 matchup um, versus West Virginia, at least according to our model. Um, so that that doesn't help out their Final Four probability. Um, and then if Purdue and Villanova were to match up, we would give Purdue a 58% chance of winning that game. Um, we'd also give them a 73% chance of beating West Virginia. So I think Purdue, we'll see what happens. It's going to be tough, but we like them. Yeah, well... You know, we'll keep praying and hope hope they can come out of this region. Next region's the Midwest region. We've got Kansas, Clemson, Duke, and Syracuse. And in the first matchup, we've got Kansas versus Clemson. So we've got Kansas with a 69% chance of winning this game. Um, Our spread model actually makes this game close to a pick-em. This is a, a question we've gotten kind of a lot, but all of our models, so spread... Um, win probability, cover probability, they're all generated separately, so they're not always going to be in complete agreement with each other. Um, but And this game is a good example of this with our spread probability, or our spread prediction being closer to a pick whereas Kansas is four and a half point favorites in Vegas. Um, so a little bit of differentiation in our predictions here, but um, Kansas, you know, they have a really strong strength of schedule. Ranked high in the preseason. They won their conference tournament. Um, they have a good offensive efficiency, true shooting percentage, and low turnover percentage. Um, 
you know, I say their advantages, but it's not like they're blowing Clemson out of the water here. Clemson played in a really tough ACC and had a lot of success. So um, I think this this one is projecting as slightly more of a close matchup. Um, Kansas played played slightly tougher schedule by strength of schedule. Um, they have they have some good NBA talent, and you always like to bet on teams that were led by you know strong guard play and NBA point guards like Devontae Graham. Yeah, definitely. And the great three-point shooting kind of is highlighted in that offensive efficiency and true shooting percentage numbers, which is good to see. Um, I, I think one last point on just like the model's sake, um, you know, I think a lot of people, one spew I'll have here is a lot of people have a problem with you using an ensemble of, say, machine learning techniques but yet when you kind of switch the response variable and are essentially just doing kind of a data transformation, they just have a problem with then using a, an ensemble, which at the end of the day is what I think a lot of people do use when they make predictions, and that's kind of what we're doing here, but we're trying to give you guys all the data points. So when you do see differences, you know, just kind of note that the, the you know that's just why we kind of highlight them because it's interesting to see and cause for concern when you're trying to pick a side. Right. Yeah, always at least me, I always like to have as much information as possible. So that's in some sense what we're trying to do here. Um, next round we've got Duke facing everyone's favorite team, Syracuse. Um, you see that quote from Beheim, he basically was talking about how his team wasn't very good before the tournament started and yet here they are on the sweet sixteen. They actually rank so, you know, sweet sixteen, so supposed to be the sixteen best teams. Um, Syracuse actually ranks number 44 in Kempom right now. Um, so obviously they don't belong by some measures, but you know, they won the games and here they are to play Duke. Um, we give Duke a a 69% chance of winning this one. We make them a five point favorite and give them a 58% chance of covering. Um, they're 11 and a half point favorites in Vegas. So we would definitely side more with Syracuse on the spread. Um, See, this has a little bit more of a close game than the markets would, but nonetheless, do see Duke pulling out a win. Yeah, and Duke's – we got two zone teams. It's probably going to just be another awful game like the Michigan State one to watch. You know, we're we're right at the Vegas total of 133.5, maybe slightly under, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, honestly, I think a tough game a little bit to watch. Hopefully some of that, that NBA talent, Grace Nell, can shine through. But I'm not really a big fan of the Syracuse team from just like an individual talent standpoint. And I'll agree with Bayon on his thoughts. But, <laughs> I mean, they, they seem to make a run. And their zone can be effective in that single elimination style just because – if you're not hitting your shots, it can cause a lot of you know a lot of problems, and you don't necessarily have the time to kind of you know get to your mean average of beating, kind of hitting those shots effectively. Yeah, um, Syracuse gets a lot of their production from the free throw line. They have one of the highest free throw rates. Um, they were 24 of 31 from the line against Michigan State, um, but Duke actually they don't foul too much, and their opponents don't get to the free throw line too much. So if they can limit. Syracuse's ability to score there, I, I think um, they, they might have a better chance of running away with this one. Yeah, definitely. Some good NBA prospects to watch and Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter and Grayson Allen for sure. So moving on, now looking at this region, you know, kind of as a whole outside of just those matchups, I know the model has Kansas coming, had Kansas coming out of this region in the beginning to predict 
predicted, but since how things have shook up, is that still true here, Sam? Yeah, it's it's still sticking with Kansas, and Duke has kind of become the favorite on the bottom half now that Michigan State is out of the picture. So we give Kansas 42% chance of going to the Final Four, Duke 33%, Clemson 14%, and Syracuse 12%. Um, we would make Kansas a 54% favorite over Duke. I, I would guess that Kansas would be the underdog in that game, so that would be a pretty interesting one from the model model standpoint. I will say, you know, I looked into that prediction a little bit, and it would really, really basically say that they, that game would be a toss-up. I think it says Kansas 54% and, you know, Kansas by a point or less than a point, so really just pointing to a close game. I think it could be an interesting matchup with Kansas, you know, good guard play and outside shooting and passing being able to exploit the Duke zone more than other teams could. Um, but I guess time will tell if that matchup does come into play. Yeah, definitely. I think I think a lot of you know, NBA and draft analysts and whatnot really want Well, they wanted to see that Michigan State-Duke game, but now I think Kansas-Duke is kind of the highlight of it. But we'll see if we actually get that matchup coming out of this region. All right, with that, we've kind of worked through the four regions now. So how is the... Sam, how's the Final Four and Championship outlook now? Look with with the crazy start in the first two rounds. So we've got we've got if you go on our site, we have a, a Sweet Sixteen predictions article, and in that we've got all the numbers from our updated simulation of the tournament. And I've been citing some of them here in this podcast. But if you do want a second look at those, I'd go, say go check out that article. Um, but on the left side of the bracket. So we're going to favor the Gonzaga or Michigan winner, whoever comes out of that region, over basically anyone from the south region up top. Um, Gonzaga is the most likely team to play in the championship from the left half of the bracket at 32%, followed by Michigan at 22%, Nevada at 18%, and Kentucky at 16%. So um, likes Gonzaga is the favorite there, although Michigan not too far behind. Um, On the other side of the bracket, um, we've got Purdue as the favorite to make it to the championship game at 37%, followed by Villanova 20%, Duke 13%, and Kansas 12%. Um, So most likely matchup by our models would be Purdue and Gonzaga. Um, And then in terms of odds to win it all, we still have Purdue as the favorite at 30%. Followed by Villanova, 14%, Gonzaga, 11%, and Michigan, 9%. Then rounding it out with Kentucky at 7%, Duke at 7%, Kansas at 6%, and West Virginia at 5%. Um, So Purdue and Villanova were number one and number two when the tournament started, and we still see it that way. Um, They're, you know, unfortunately in the same region, and we also see that with Gonzaga and Michigan ranking third and fourth in terms of most likely to win it all, also being in the same region. Um, but, yeah, that's that's how the numbers are shaking out. Um, at the end of the day, not too much different from our initial simulation with Purdue and Villanova still being alive. Obviously, we've got um, UNC taken out of the picture, who is eating up a lot of these probabilities. Um, just glancing at the Vegas odds for national champion, um, Villanova – Slash Duke is the favorite, depending on where you look, but about plus 360 or plus 400. Um, Kansas after them, about plus 600. Um, kind of comparing our probabilities to those numbers, um, Purdue is the only team that really stands out. I've seen them at about plus 1,200, plus 1,400. And um, 
that equates to about a 9% chance of winning, um, maybe a little bit more, but whereas our numbers have about a 30%. So that was the only, the only number that stood out there as far as comparison to Vegas. Yeah, definitely. So still ride Purdue, as the model is saying. Um, and with that, I think that wraps up our Sweet 16 March Madness breakdown. So be sure to go check out Model 284. Check out all of our March Madness content, spreads, totals, win probabilities, tournament simulations, as well as you know our weekly My Model Monday to see how you're doing in our bracket pool, as well as, as uh, other articles that we're working on and posting. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And give five stars and a great review to the Model 284 podcast, as well as our other podcasts, Hammer the Over. And next week, we should have, we're going to spice things up a little bit for the Final Four matchups. So be, be sure to um, tune back in for that and follow along with all the predictions for the rest of the tournament. And go Nevada. Go Nevada, go Purdue. Dilly dilly.